Welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases with Pointy and the Moose. Uh, we're at the Lasso Gallery in Newcastle tonight to see Infinity Broke. So that's Jamie, Jared, Scott and Ruben, who are very kind to give us a little bit of their time to talk about a bunch of different topics. Post-work on a Friday, so it feels like all of my limbs have been pulled off and rearranged and put it back in the wrong order, so... Pointy's always been a huge fan of Blue Bottle Kiss and it took me a while to get into them and Jamie Hutching solo as well, but I eventually did it. But I've never actually seen Jamie live, so this will be a first, but especially in a band form as well. Yeah, I've seen Jamie solo a number of times uh, and also uh, with Blue Bottle Kiss. In fact, I-, I could be wrong. This could be like a bit of a made-up fact, but we'll run with it anyway. I seem to remember seeing Blue Bottle Kiss support Paul Dempsey on one of maybe one of his earliest solo tours at the bar on the hill and I just remember being completely blown away like blew Paul Dempsey off stage it was fantastic I feel like even if that is a made up memory it's really a nice one yeah well like I feel if you're making up horrible memories of bands that you like you're a pretty awful person so our subject is 80s Australiana chosen by Jamie so where do we start favourite Australian 80s bands and we have been discussing Ruben's um, boom crash opera experiences would would you consider that that was your favourite 80s Australian yeah put on the spot oh. it's got to be at the time at the time like, like favourite at the time when you were a kid I wasn't as old, as, as arty as, as I was born yeah. in, the, in the 80s so <laughs> so I can't really get through it when I was a kid like I, I was like listening to Michael Jackson so you know that's 80s. I, I, grew, I grew up in a very un, unmusical family, so... Yeah, it's not so much Australian. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, totally. the 80s would, would you say that the, the church is kind of a, an, an 80s Australian? Well, I'm more <laughs> you could say. You've got to wait for the cool bands. <laughs> Go on, the, the embarrassing ones first. The church. Oh, I don't know. I'm throwing a mental blank at the moment. They'd have to definitely be, be up there. They'd definitely be one of my favourites for sure. I kind of been listening to like like more more like the Flying Nun kind of stuff like like recently. So yeah. <laughs> Australian, yeah. <laughs> because I was around in the eighties, I would say when I was at school, the, I was really massively into Midnight Oil, and I was also massively into Spy vs Spy. Mm. It was kind of like a pub rock, that whole Angels pub rock sort of um, Angels, Radiators, Oils, Cold Chisel, that was big. But Spy vs. Spy were not quite as big as those bands. They were kind of always supporting those bands, but they were still quite big. And they had a slight skinhead thing going on as well. So they had a slightly, like a bit of a scar kind of element to their yeah. music. But the church were uh, really... I got into the church, but I, I was... I got into them because I wanted to like them, but I could... I wasn't quite grown up enough to really like them at the time. But yeah. as I got older, I started really loving them. And then um, really got into all the Australian garage rock, like Lime Spiders, Celebrate Rifles, Radio Birdman... Vanilla Chainsaws. Vanilla Chainsaws, Screaming Tribesmen, Happy Hate Me Nots, Hard Ons, all that sort of stuff. Really, really liked all of that and then retrospectively I kind of like other bands from the 80s probably more like the Laughing Clowns and Tactics and a lot of the kind of more stuff that I couldn't really get my head around when I was a It's funny because you you did say that though like what will start with what you like at the time because liking things retrospectively is so different Yeah, yeah When you're a bit younger it's like this is what I instinctively like immediately but afterwards There you go Hello Hello 
Oh, I don't, sorry. It's a popular Newcastle question. Sorry. <laughs> How many times have you been on That's the second time. Moose, I'll, I'll ask you in a moment, but for me, I was only born in 1984, so I didn't really catch most of it firsthand. So at the time, it was, yeah, probably John Farnham as a yeah cassette in the mum and dad's car. But retrospectively, the bands like, yeah, The Gurus, Be Suburban... Oh, the bands that everyone's mentioned, you know, church, that type of thing. I'm with you on that, that I was born in 86, so my main memories are Farnham, but probably um, Electric Blue, Ice House period, with that mullet on... on um... I've actually worked at Ivor Davies' house. I know Ivor. Have you worked yeah. at his house? Well, you know how we were talking about guys, you know, driving forklifts yeah. to, you know, like the guy out of the models or whatever? Yeah, yeah I'm actually a stonemason in my... My real job. That's He's awesome. Yeah. Some of my demos. He's got a really cool studio, actually. I, I went, At I his house. Into, yeah, I've been into his studio. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, what's the uh, the most embarrassing thing you were into well, in the 80s? Pretty much but I don't know whether time. we already covered that accidentally. <laughs> pretty much everything at the time. Okay, so retrospectively, massively into gurus, like uh, kind of like crowded house split ends was okay. Australasian split ends was a crossover. Midnight Oil was something I discovered in my teens that I really loved as well, and it always kind of killed me that I never got to see them play. And even when they reformed a couple of times, I was just always in the wrong place at the wrong time. Is there anyone that you wish would reform that you could see play now as an adult and as a gig-going person? I would love to have seen like the early version of the New Christ's, probably like when Charlie Owen was playing guitar around this tempo. Like, um, like I'm a big, ra- I'm, I really love Radio Birdman, but I, I reckon that maybe I even like the New Christ, the first, early New Christ, probably more. Like, it's just such a vitriolic kind of singer, like Rob Younger. I just think he's an amazing, like, I would say up there with Iggy Pop or someone like he's just a really great rock and roll singer that just sings it, almost like he's not singing; it's just all attitude and. Um, especially with the new Christ came along like he just kind of spits his words out with such confidence and such swagger and um uh and Charlie Owen who plays guitar in the beats now um yeah his guitar playing he's kind of quite a slick guitarist like he played guitar with the Divinals for a while and, and he can really I think he plays with Barnsley and stuff yeah. like that but he can also be really inventive and really interesting and they had a drummer called Nick Fisher I don't know what happened to him but he's almost like a jazzy sort of drummer even though like they're a really flat out band um, they've still got the same bass player but I'd love to see that lineup. but I don't know when bands you know when they reform like 20-30 years later yeah. like they may have been doing other stuff in the meantime and I've seen bands reform and like it's like what's with that guitar tone it's awful like, yeah. well, that's not the guitar tone you had it was like, you're trying to recreate a spark yeah. you know that it was a one off thing well he might have gone into white funk you know for the past <laughs> 20 years and all been playing or you know like so but yeah I think it's more I think it's more like if you really want to be idealistic um, if you could go back in time you know who would you know like you know you'd love to see like Died Pretty around the first yeah. album or um it's more science fiction based. <laughs> I guess it's not a period that I would choose. Jamie kind of chose that period, <laughs> so it's it's difficult difficult for me to really push into a corner here. Yeah, yeah. Some bands like like the birthday party that you 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 kind of like you'd like the idea of kind of seeing them, but but it's just impossible to kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's it's like a thing that happened and it's completely off its time and yeah. and yeah. I don't know. This is Scott. Meanwhile. Hey guys, nice to meet you. Introducing Scott. Go for it. 
who is, is, is likely an, an, an encyclopedia of, of 80s Australian music and, and would, would definitely have an opinion on... <laughs> I think I was legal to see bands around 87, so I was seeing bands like... Uh, probably my favourite live band at the time was the Celebrate Rifles, and there was the Screaming Tribesmen and um, Lime Spiders and all that heavy stuff. There was other more jingle jangle stuff around, like of course the church and so on. And it was a really genuine kind of scene back then. Sydney was more of a, uh, a crusty place, sort of unaffected by all of the the gloss that's um, sort of been inflicted upon it of recent yeah. times. So it really felt like you were part of um, a real scene, not something that was pretentious and kind of fabricated and people were very genuinely interested in music. There was no real such thing as popularity amongst in independent music like there is now. Either, yeah. So I was pretty lucky to get that intro. So that's, that's my brief little synopsis on the, uh, the late 80s. Were you playing around that time? I was in a band, yeah, that I formed with some friends called the Mucus Membranes. Nice name. Yeah, yeah really, really touching, but um, ended up getting a singer and he was just a, a bit of a wally. And it kind of <laughs> came to a bit of an end. And then Jamie and I started playing um, with a really good friend of ours, Mark Muldray. We formed a band called The Fallen Scarecrows. And then after that, you know, Mark got married and I ended up working overseas. And that was kind of it for me for quite a while in terms of playing in bands. And then Jamie went on to form Blue Bottle Kiss. And so there's a pretty big gap in between, you know. Played with a few bands in between, but... While we're on the subject, pass the mic around, first bands. Yeah, I was in a band at school called the Rhino Chasers. <laughs> Rhino Chasers. I was a drummer. We just used to play mostly covers, though I was trying to get us into playing originals, and I was listening to the music often that Scott was handing down to me, so I was wanting to play in a heavier band, and they wanted everyone to like them, and they'd want to do really... Uh, we'd do uh, Run to Paradise by the Choir Boys and stuff like that. It was... The best song we played was the B-52s. We did Rock Lobster. That was probably the best song we played. But uh, I played drums with them. And then basically before Blue Bottle Kiss, there was like other bands that sort of became sort of Blue Bottle Kiss before. Like there was one called um, Rubber Donut. Rubber Donut had Peter Noble, who was um, on the first few albums with Blue Bottle Kiss. And then a friend, a really good friend, but he, he really got into her metal. He was the guitarist, but he really got, he got into metal really heavily. And we just stopped inviting him to rehearsals. And he started telling us how to play because he started seeing like a metal guitar teacher. It's a little heavy here. We wanted can't to shred. Out. Yeah, well, he just wanted to shred. Yeah, he wanted to. Sh he wanted to shred. Um, and then when we got rid of him, then we got another bass player and we changed the name to Snail Fever, which is a disease. But I also think it sounds like a oh, really what? Snail Fever is a disease. Yeah. What is Snail Fever? I don't really. It's a tropical disease um, in the tropics. It's a tropical disease. I don't know much about it, but I like the way that it, well, snails are so slow. But the idea of Snail Fever, you know, like I thought that was a great name. I was thinking of, it was either going to be called Snail Fever or River Blindness. That's another because <laughs> that's another tropical Snail disease. Fever. And I quite like that. It sounds quite poetic. Tropical diseases do make poetic band names. Well, these those two did at least, but yeah, yeah. And then after that, it became Blue Bottle Kiss. When I think, I don't know how it happened. It sort of slowly morphed, and different people left, and 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 the first drummer came back, and that's when Blue Bottle started doing stuff. Yeah. Well, River Blindness sounds kind of horrible. It feels like there's parasites in the water. I think that's, that's what it yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Something eating your eye. Yeah. Sounds, yeah. yeah. Just a little bit scary. Uh, Pointy. Uh, 
I wasn't really in any high school bands. We did play in my mate's garage. Uh, I remember we tried to learn to play Radiohead's The National Anthem, and it was kind of okay, I guess. And we uh, yeah, play, tried to play some uh, grindcore. Um, but I don't know how. Yeah, it was a good mix, you know. High school band, though, yeah. It's like, oh, let's uh, let's do this. Yeah. You have a drummer that's like into metal, then you have a bass player. Like, at the first lineup of Blue Bottle, the drummer was into metal and funk metal, and the bass player was really oh, gothic. He was into, you know, the Sisters of Mercy and the Mission, and he had more, oh, wow. more guitar pedals than me. You always have those mongrel bands where, like, no one's got anything in common, <laughs> and everyone's musical taste has nothing in common, and you try to be in a band. And everyone goes, oh, it'll be really interesting, and it never is. It's always just really bad. Well, we were in a situation where none of us had absolutely any talent, and but we just wanted to have so fun. How, how, how close were your influences, though? Did the talent uh, influences? Oh, we probably had similar influences, okay. but um, which was... You know, a mixture of grindcore and Radiohead, which sort of doesn't make sense. But I guess when you're in high school, that's kind of what you can get away with. Yeah, I was in a band. Um, it was, it was. I don't know who even came up with the name. It was pretty bad. Like in high school, probably my first band that I was in was called PC. PC. Yeah. Like setting for like political correctness. Yeah. Well. PC. Hey, politically, yeah. it, it could have been, yeah, okay, okay. or it could have just been P. There's, there's a lot. There's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> have a lot of words. Or it could have been. It could have been PC. PC, as in C of P. Okay. So uh, that's at least three different three meanings. variations. Yeah, yeah. So we thought that was pretty. We thought that was pretty multi-layered. Yeah. Um, and pretty interesting oh, at yeah. the time. And I think there was about five people in the band, and everyone wanted to be the main guy. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, so we had all these songs. They were pretty. I had. I actually had a couple of songs too. I think that was the end of my songwriting career, PC. Um, (laughs) But yeah, did you cease wanting to be the main guy after that? It's like everyone. I wanted to be the main main guy, but yeah. After a couple of performances with PC, I just decided that probably wouldn't be the best course for me to take. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember we played at like a for- I think it was a formal. I think it was our school formal or it might have been one of the formals that you have at school. Yeah. And it was just terrible. It was they so bad. Were, no matter which one. No, they, they were what? All, all formals at school were kind of terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was just your typical terrible formal. But, yeah, we actually played at the formal. And oh, we wow. had we had no conception of, like, just sort of calling it a day. <laughs> and everyone wanted to do their thing, you know. So there was five guys. Everyone had about three songs. What did you play at the formal? Was it all originals? Yeah, we chucked in a couple of um, cover sort of things as well. But, you know, we really wanted to get the originals out. Yeah. So um, and yeah, none of them were, none of them were good, and it just went on and on and on. I can actually remember thinking, oh man, we've got to wrap this up. We've got to, this is bad. Everyone's falling asleep. Yeah. Everyone just wants to like, you know, stick on some waltz and dance and you know get some cheap sort of thrills rubbing up against each other. Or I like that there was someone hoping for an incredibly like romantic night or incredibly inspiring night and then you guys they just were, had to yeah we ruined it we had, they just had to listen to PC <laughs> ill fitting suits so you thought some ill fitting music yeah <laughs> actually one of the go- one of the guys was sort of sort of far beyond the, the the best singer was far beyond his um his time he had this really cool kind of you know those spanish kind of frilly kind of yeah, shirts yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he was really cool. In, in in hindsight, I'd love to get in touch with him again. He was because he of was his cool. Shirt? Yeah, yeah, he was a cool guy. I actually wonder if he ever formed a band. I find it strange, like that, those weird things you remember of, about people. Yeah, it's like, do they know? He was a really good singer too. Do they know you still remember them via their puffy? Yeah, shirt? Like, I think about that a lot actually. Like, you know, when you think it. you think of a random person, and it's kind of like, I bet that person's never thought of, thought about me ever again. Some people, it's best to forget. <laughs> Nice segue. <laughs> For me, like the really early days of playing in bands was just like a like a, a struggle of just trying to play music with anyone and and like just anyone that, that you could kind of play music with, I guess. And you, you kind of come across people that have completely different tastes to you and, and you, you kind of don't really care at the time. Like it's just about being able to play music with, with people. So... Like in, in high school, I played um, drums with like bands that were had members that were influenced by like anyone from like like the, all that like Pennywise kind of '90s punk through to through to like I don't know like Wu Tang Clan and you know like, like it's like if you're talking high school, like everyone's got such a like broad um, range of tastes, I, I suppose. But but yeah, that, that's kind of kind of like the my kind of really early history of like being in bands but I, I suppose I, I kind of um, yeah I, I was in I was in like the, one of the first kind of real bands I was in was kind of like a, a like a rockabilly blues band called Mark Easton Limousine and he, he really got got into blues and that, that was when I kind of came across him and, and we, we were in a, a band together called Mark Easton Limousine and we kind of released a few things um, and then I moved to Melbourne for a while and played in two or three bands down there. And while I was living down there, I got the, the opportunity to, to um, play in Blue Bottle or try out for Blue Bottle. And I eventually kind of went um, to the States with Blue Bottle. And then after that, I moved back to Sydney. That's it. That's, that's just it. All right. And the alternative, best thing left in the 80s, bands or otherwise? The best things left. Best things left in the 80s. Oh, right. Oh. So leave right. in the 80s. Right, okay. Okay, right. That period of Ice House you were talking about, that definitely... I think that was just awful, that period. That, that mullet can definitely be left. Not just the mullet, just... I just think that... I, I actually like the Flowers record, the first one. It's a great record. And um, I was on holidays recently and was watching TV and it was like one of the guys from Eskimo Joe was like, this song's great, blah, 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 blah. And it was that Hey Little Girl by Ice House. And I just went, oh, this is why I thought this band would just... like <laughs> That actually, that song isn't as bad as that Electric Blue song. Electric, like, it's just that, terrible. That, the one I remember from uh, early morning TV in the 80s. Because I think this whole thing of that, people that are making a lot of music now, like, because we're in Sydney and we hear FBI and stuff, and there's a lot of 80s, like, young bands that are influenced oh, yeah. by the 80s, and, and there's an element of irony to it, and then there's, and, but for me, it's just like, you know, like, some of that Ice House stuff was just abysmal. Really, really quite awful to listen to, and there was a whole bunch of bands with that sound. Even good bands that were just recorded really, really badly, like some of the recordings during that time were just so lacking in any life. They just, and the same thing happened, like if you listen to some of the late replacements albums, like it happened in America too, where really good bands just really badly produced. And even the Triffids, like people rave on about the Triffids and they're great, but like some of their records sound. Uh, some, yeah, some I find. So let's say the production, yeah, yeah, just um, gated snare drums with digital yeah. reverb, and um, you know, really thin sort of acoustic guitars with chorus on them, and it's just that kills me actually. Yeah, 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 it's really. Yeah, yeah, reverb on the bass, you know, just stuff, just silly ideas people had. That that killed lots and lots of really 
good records. Yeah, it seemed like there was the early 80s, like where you had that really dry sort of production, like stuff like the Sunny Boys, the Church, the, yeah. the, and they were quite dry, neat, kind of quite cool sounding records. But then yeah. about, I think around maybe 86. Yeah, I'm still trying to work out what the question is. So what's best left as in... Oh, just leave it out. Yeah, you yeah, can just leave that out. Oh, right. It's not welcome. It's not welcome. All right. Well, now I see the um, connection with Ice House. Hopefully, you listen to this, Ivor Davies, after that scathing review. Oh, well, we're not, we're not really he did. He did do some good stuff, but yeah, he did some shocking stuff too, which you probably realise now in retrospect. There's no substitute for experiences there. Well, I'm probably trying to think back to um, watching Countdown, hanging out to see a band come on that I was sort of waiting for, of course, it would be like the last band or something. But I remember a band called um, Shudo Echo, which was really, really annoying, and they were really employing heavily the use of um, what was uh, newly introduced to the music scene back then. That was the electronic drum machine. Like, it was like a real drum machine. Were they electronic drums? No. Well, yeah, that's probably what I'm trying to say. I was, I was about to explain that. It was like these pads. So I don't know if they were playing to a click track or what, but it had that little... kind of sound. And they had real cymbals, but the rest of it was just... Yeah, I was like, what's going on there? And it had such a synthetic kind of feeling that sort of stole away from what I kind of thought at the age of 10 or whatever it was, maybe a bit older, um, what real music is all about. Yeah, so, I don't know, that's just the first thing that comes to mind. I can't think of anything else that um, I could comment on. Like what Jamie was saying about all the, the, the tragic sort of sounds and everything, I don't really mind that stuff too much because it's sort of, it's a bit like fashion or architecture. You sort of are able to make a clear distinction as to when approximately something was produced, manufactured or built. So I, some of the sounds, as tragic as they were, it's still kind of, it's a bit of a time capsule. Same thing with cars, you know, you sort of look at a model car going past and you sort of... Well, these days they're all dime a dozen, but around that time in the 80s, there was some real leaps and bounds in going in these crazy directions. It was like the world was trying to find its its way and try and come up with something more inventive and different, like plastic bumper bars was probably around the time that the gated drum sound, you know, was introduced to the world, et cetera, et cetera. Or Sigma. Was that plastic? I was driving a tank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. Maybe it still had metal bumper bars, but made to look like plastic. Whereas now, you know, how it is. Yeah, I, I suppose that there's like a, there's a couple of Cure albums that, that didn't quite need to be made, or it's, it just seems like I, I'm not really that knowledgeable on 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 the '80s, let alone like I don't have as much knowledge on the '80s Australian rock, I suppose. But um, yeah, it just seemed like a period that was quite like it it, it sort of started well and then got very self indulgent and had um, there was a, a lot of money flying around that was maybe not very well spent. <laughs> Well, the boys have covered some pretty good topics. I think um, hamsteak. It was, it was bad. You know the hamsteak with, like, a pineapple and a glass A cherry? Yeah, yeah. That was bad. Mum used to make that, like, once a week. That was there, under the grill, just awful. Now I kind of want to eat that. Yeah, well, do it. Go to Woolies and get yourself a hamsteak and some <laughs> glass A cherries. All right, so through all those tangents, finish up and tell us about Infinity Broke. You know, obviously us four have played together quite a lot over the years, probably going back to Jamie's first solo album. And then there was a couple of other solo records Jamie did, which we sort of more of us got involved in. And then after sort of the boom-tish kind of thing, which is great fun, we just, I don't think we were all sort of had a hankering for 
playing something with a bit more ballsy, I guess you could say. Not your meat, three veg, let's go to the gym and lift some, uh, you know, heavy metal to the sound of this kind of rock, but something that would encapsulate rock but with more of an experimental edge to it. And obviously Jamie's um, done a great job of writing all the songs and we're able to add our own little signature to our parts and collaborate in that way. And, yeah, just borrowing a lot of ideas and ingredients from bands, you know, past, present and possibly even future. Not that we're, we'd ever sort of want to try and plagiarise what they're doing, but it's a bit like when you hang out with um, really good people, great people, they've got their own way of expressing things and you, you can take little bits and pieces from the way they behave and the way they interact with others and it makes you a better person. So, really, with, with playing in a band, you can become a better musician by, you know, enjoying some of that influence. Here's Ruben. Yeah, I've kind of forgotten what the question was again, but... <laughs> what was it again? The band you're in. Tell us about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what you it, tonight? It actually was going to be called The Goldfish Memory, which would have applied to me quite, quite well, but I guess it's just become its own thing where it's kind of good, like we're... It's kind of evolving as we're going along as well, you know, Jamie obviously was the the songwriter, but it's been really good kind of transforming some of his ideas and it's been changing a bit as it's going along as well. Even from show to show, it changes changes a bit. So, um, for you know, for better or worse, right? you'd have to ask Jamie that. But um, it's been great playing these shows on this tour too because, I mean, the more you play, just kind of it just conglomerates into a, its own, you know, mass more so than just parts to a song you know so it's um as we go along it's it's um becoming its own thing more and more so yeah do you feel the boys put their own spin on the songs you'd written to form infinity broke did you have that in mind when you wrote them Uh, i always kind of envision things a certain way but like i don't get too hung up on it being exactly how i envision it Um, i'm sort of more hung up on it being good whether it's good or not so if something goes in a different direction like for instance I mean Jared and Rupert and I kind of had a three piece band going for a while and Scott was elsewhere and um, it was kind of like a it was turning into more of a sort of a psychedelic kind of jammy a three piece power trailer type thing but when Scott came back, um, the idea of like not just having a traditional drum kit and having these counter rhythms going together which um which is something that we're all into. I don't know, Ruben's into a lot of this stuff too, a lot of um, more uh, free jazz and a lot of stuff where there's two drummers. Yeah, yeah I was interested in the first rehearsals with Scott because it was like I knew what I wanted Scott to do and I could... I can't tell Scott what to do because he's my older brother for a start. So it's like um, <laughs> I think I have a vision, but but if it sounded good, I think if Scott understands what I'm talking about and, it, and then he, he basically is like, right, and then if it sounds good, then... Then, yeah. then, then, then it works. Like I, I, I am uh, sometimes to my detriment. I, I envision things extremely clearly because I kind of played, started playing out drums, started playing drums first, yeah, and um, I can hear it in my head rather than just being an acoustic sort of singer songwriter guy. I can generally hear things yeah. really clearly. Um, and I think it sometimes helps a band to have someone can, that can envision things. But um, I think like what Ruben was saying with playing the shows. Suddenly stuff just starts happening unconsciously. I'm not scrutinising everybody anymore either, which which is good. Um, and things start happening that's like, 
Um, I mean, there's like a bass line in one of the songs is just halfway through that Ruben came up with that I think is one of the best parts of the album. But then it was funny because when we came to doing it, Ruben's like, oh, what? It's like, you haven't even really thought about it. But to me, it was like really, really important parts. Like, no, we've got to... You know, there's just different times when people just sort of... It's just there's happy accidents that happen that... I think if you're like kind of a band leader, you kind of become an ed- editor and arranger. So you start... Yeah. Basically, you become a bit of a bowerbird, just sort of pinching, hearing it. Like, you keep doing that, that's really good. Or that night when you did that, you know, like... You, you kind of are listening and then it's got to the point now where I'm not really listening anymore it's almost become that we're kind of like morphed into one beast which is it takes a really long time to happen and it feels like it's only really just happened and it feels really it's feel, it's really satisfying it's funny that you've all played together for so long but now you're working on a particular project that took that took a while to still form that beast again it was because we're all playing at a similar volume now where before it was very much about the words being heard and 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 the guys creating a back a backdrop. Very, it was a very minimalist kind of music, which I will continue to make in the future. But yeah. it's not a kind of like it, it. It maybe will require very little for someone to add a lot. Where where this, it's a bit more muscular, which is probably more fun for everyone to play, really. But um, it's just a different dynamic. Thank you very much to the gents from Infinity Broke for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. We're very much looking forward to the gig tonight. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for it to start. And Pointy, where can you find us if you want to leave a review, download more podcasts? Facebook.com forward slash Splitting Cases or just go to iTunes and search for Splitting Cases. Splitting.